Hello and welcome into the Daily Blues podcast on 101ESPN.com. Dan Betlock with you on this Thursday, December 5th of 2019. Blues coming off a 3-0 loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins at PPG Paints Arena. Penguins are always a tough home team and last night was no different as they shut out the Blues 3-0. Jordan Bennington did make 30 saves on 33 shots faced. It was only his fifth regulation loss of the season as the Blues are now off until Saturday against Toronto. But let's hear how the Blues lost last night at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins. 3-0. Here are the highlights from Curbs and Joey. Here's Tanev as he tried to center. He goes over to the far point. Then they shoot it in and score from the far point. A long shot that was fired off of the stick of Marcus Pedersen. Might have been deflected in front off of Teddy Bluger. And 39 seconds into the hockey game, the Penguins have scored first. Yeah, I tell you what, a pretty harmless shot from the point. And this thing had eyes, and I believe it was tipped in front by Teddy Bluger, who set up shop about four feet just north of Jordan Bennington. And it looked like Bennington came out to grab it. Alex Petrangelo to Jaden Schwartz. Slap pass into the corner, down low for Perron. Comes back to Schwartz. And now up to the blue line, Petrangelo. Now to Perron, one touch far side. O'Reilly to Perron, and he tried to pump it on. He did. He was off balance, didn't get a lot on it. Here's Ruedel, another drive to the net, saved by Bennington, not covered up. And Brower will have to get to it in the corner. Pass it off to Gunnarsson, then De La Rose turns it over to Malkin. It's recovered. Gensel with a shot, blocked by his own player, Malkin. De La Rose checks down Gensel, and it comes to Simone. Down to Ruedel. He'll put it on again. Ruedel came to start this hockey game. It's 10 shots on goal now for the Penguins. It's checked but connects it and they shoot it on from the far circle. Good shot from Walker. Retrieved to the blue line. Falk with a drive and a left pad save from Jari. Here's Schwartz to Falk. Another slapper. That blocked and the stick broke. First game up with the club this year. It comes to the blue line. Letang around. Walker tried to center. They chuck it just wide of the net. As that shot trickled wide off the stick of Blandisi. Recovered at the line. Long shot. Thrown to the goal by Latang and saved by Bennington. Break wide to Falk. Entering the Penguin zone. Takes it to the far circle. Now curls it back to the line. Passes over to Schwartz. Coming alone to Walker on the near side. Just out of his reach. And threw Walker back to the corner. Now to Schwartz. Goes far wing. Bozak to Dunn again. Dunn now near circle. In front looking for the deflection. Whipped on by Sanford. And the power play is over. Blues don't get a shot on goal. Shift like every other shift right now. He's playing a lot of minutes, yeah. Especially with Jack Johnson out. Barbashev leaves it. Shen drives it. And he puts it on goal on a nice pass. The save made by Jari with 13.27 to go in the second period. one nothing Pittsburgh. Long outlet pass goes off Perron. O'Reilly there at center to pick it up. And now Perron off the far wing. Down low to O'Reilly. Backhands one high. And it might have hit the mask of the goaltender, but he makes the save. Covers up the rebound. 12.52 to go in the second Blues period. The draw. Falk drags it into the far circle. Centers to Thomas. He put it on. What a save by Jari. A return chance for the Blues. Falk was there. Jari, another save. And he swatted the puck to the end boards. It came back to him. He will cover up. Falk snaps into one. And that was another save by Jari. Thomas had it on the near side, and the puck knocked away. Safe plays, don't you think? Yeah, I do, and I think that it's been a little bit more of an adjustment with Colt Pareko out there. Pareko centering, and a diving play knocked away. Melkin's out of the box, and with a head of steam, 
Brings it in. Drop pass. Shot on. Save made by Bennington denying Simone. Go centering and a diving play knocked away. Malkins out of the box and with a head of steam. Brings it in. Drop pass. Shot on. Save made by Bennington denying Simone. And the puck back to the near wing. Pareko digging in. Gensel gets it. Looks in the middle. They go to Malkin and a pass into his skates. That forced Malkin to have to hesitate and the Blues are able to get in the lane. Back to Malkin into the corner. Malkin's going to battle his way to the front. He's mad. Puck shot to the goal off of post and ricochets out of the zone. Uh, he came out of that penalty box with a ball of fire. Yeah, with some vengeance there. They bring it in. Simone to Gensel right on. Save made by Bennington. And then Malkin's going to bump into Bennington on purpose. Over to Justin Falk, but he held it. And a nice job by Penguins McCann to get it back. And on the near side, shoots it to the goal. The rebound's there, and they score. The Penguins have finally extended the lead. Standing on the doorstep was Nason. His first game up with the big club this season, and he makes it a 2-0 lead after the turnover by the Blues below their goal line. Well, Stefan Nason, as you mentioned, Curbs, signed a one-way deal in the American Hockey League after spending time with the Devils and Ducks, and through injuries, the Pittsburgh Penguins signed him right before today's game. He only had one practice with the Penguins, and he did a great job becoming a good net front presence right there, but Blues had opportunities to clear. Justin Falk behind the net. Hangs on to it just a second. Two. Drags it in over the line. Stick handles in the far circle. Centered and put it right on. What a blocker save made by Bennington. He denied Cahoon. Now on the far wing, Pedersen a drive. That one deflected wide of the net. it into the middle, but then it falls off of his stick, and the Penguins go to clear. They get it up the middle. Potential break, and a shot in, and they score. Alex Galchenyuk was able to fend off the defenseman. Off the Bozak turnover in the offensive zone. And it's 3-0 Pittsburgh with 15.01 to go in the third. Well, a sign of the St. Louis Blues stepping outside themselves. We're seeing it repeatedly now. Jaden Schwartz has a two-on-one. He turns it over at the blue line. The Blues are too stretched out. Petrangelo shoots it three lines all the way up to Nathan Walker. A spread out neutral zone. Again, uncharacteristic of this team. And another play right there. Tyler Bozak, puck on a stick in the offensive zone, flirting around that dangerous area just inside the blue line. Never an area to make a move. Picked away and cleared out by Pittsburgh, and Aston Reese is going to lead what he mounts to a three-on-one. They get it to the far wing. Dump it in front. Two saves by Bennington, and the puck goes back in behind the goal. He's just made two spectacular saves in the last 60 seconds of hockey. Well, welcome back. Here's the announcement. Reviewing the play. The call on the ice is confirmed. We have no goal. St. Louis has a bench minor penalty delay of game. So a penalty for the St. Louis Blues for delay of game. But I'll tell you what, being that he was touched back into the goalie, and again, the consistency of goalie interference is absolutely none in the National Hockey League. And I don't care what anybody with the league tries to tell you on that, right? especially since Jari had come right out to the top and then he fell backwards. I don't mind that challenge at all. Not at all. Not one bit. You're down 3-0. You know, this could have been a momentum. 22 game. seconds to go. He holds it in his own end. It's a good move by Evgeny Malkin. That's a respect move there, bud. I like that a lot. Yeah, he could have taken another rush up there. And, and he didn't. And they're just going to let the final 22 seconds of a 3-0 game wind down. 
They're not going to take the chance of slapping the puck off somebody's ankle as well. And this one's going to come to a close. There's the buzzer. Sounds more like a train. And the Blues fall to the Pittsburgh Penguins tonight by a score of three to nothing. Well, last night in Pittsburgh, the Penguins shut out the Blues three to nothing. 33 shots on goal for the Penguins. 28 shots on goal and a shutout for Tristan Jari. The Penguins get goals from Bluger, Nason, and Galchenyuk. And the Blues suffered just their sixth regulation loss of the year. It was game number 30. And Joe, the Blues were playing what was their sixth game in 10 nights. And I think a little schedule fatigue finally caught up to this hockey team. It really did last night in Pittsburgh Curbs. I, I completely agree with you. It looked a little slow, looked a little sloppy. You mentioned the physical fatigue is always going to be there when you play that many games. But a lot of mental fog last night for the St. Louis Blues. Decisions at the blue line, uh, not managing the puck properly, sloppy passes in the D zone. I think this whole month of November, and especially this past road trip, had really just caught up with this group. It was a great month. Unfortunately, it couldn't really finish with a cherry on top. Last night, first the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, Tristan Jari was terrific in the backup presence for the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. The Blues really couldn't figure them out. Sometimes you got to tip your hat to an injury plague team like we saw in the Pittsburgh Penguins last night. They were out there, and they were just clearly the better team. Well, the Blues uh, have the next two days off, and they'll face off against the Toronto Maple Leafs Saturday night, 6 o'clock face-off at Enterprise Center. For Joe Vitale, I'm Chris Kerber on the St. Louis Blues Radio Network. Joey mentioned the team being tired, and I kind of agree with that because you saw some of the penalties, penalties being taken. Those are tired penalties, and uh, they have been playing a slew of games, a slew of back-to-backs recently as well. So uh, it was kind of the perfect storm of a 3-0 blanking at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins, who are a desperate hockey team. Blues were still in that game in the third period, and had Jaden Schwartz's goal uh, that had not that had gotten overturned, the Blues were still in it in the third period, and uh, maybe something could have happened had the uh, that goal counted on the goalie interference that was overturned or not overturned that was called. There was still some time left. Wait, that that would have made it two to one. Who knows? But either way, the Blues get blank three nothing last night. The road point streak ends at ten as well. When the Blues are rolling the four lines, and we kind of I think we saw this. Saturday or the last, the previous game, yeah, Saturday against the Penguins, where uh, the top two lines canceled each other out in that game, but it was the bottom, it was the depth lines that really scored in that game for the Blues, and um, I think we saw that last night, but it was just reversed for the Penguins, where the top lines canceled each other out, and the depth was scoring for the Penguins, and the Blues just couldn't find or couldn't break through. The top lines could not break through last night, nor could the bottom four lines, but. That has been the M.O. of the St. Louis Blues to be able to roll four lines, get in deep, get pucks at the net, wear teams down that way. But it just seemed like the Blues were worn down last night. And I think Joey mentioned that in his first recap as well. So day off today, Blues back on the practice ice tomorrow, and they'll be welcoming in the Toronto Maple Leafs on Saturday. One aspect of our pregame show for on the Blues Radio Network we like to do is we bring on a NHL writer from around the league to discuss some NHL headlines, ask him a little bit about the Blues as well. And last night I had a chance to sit down with Matt Larkin of the Hockey News. Appreciate him joining us last night on our pregame show. Let's play that for you now. Here's myself with uh, Matt Larkin last night on our pregame show. Uh, let's get right into the St. Louis Blues, Matt. They're off to a, a remarkable start. Uh, they have points in all but five games this season. What are your impressions so far of the St. Louis Blues? 
they've really blown me away, especially when you consider the injuries I've had to overcome. And I was someone who was fairly skeptical skeptical about them being able to duplicate last year's success, not, not because I didn't think this was a great team, but just because the Central Division is just so vicious. And a lot of the teams around them made major improvements in the summer. And the Blues, of course, kind of had to maintain status quo, which is pretty common for a Stanley Cup winner. So I expected this to be a playoff team, absolutely. A contender, absolutely. A team that didn't necessarily have to win the President's Trophy to be a cup contender. But what they've done so far, especially with the injuries, has really blown me away. Uh, and I think you're seeing, you know, if you factor in their play starting in January of last year, this has been almost 365 days of absolutely dominant play under Coach Craig Brube. And I think if you're looking for what is the number one cause of it, I think you have to look at Jordan Bennington first because he's been, I think, an elite-level NHL goaltender for, for pretty much a year now. And if anyone thought he was a fluke last season during that miracle run, I think now he has silenced any of those possible detractors with his play this season. And you lead me into my next question there, because it was going to be about the goaltending for the St. Louis Blues. Jordan Bennington has been lights out. They got a uh, 35-plus save shutout from Jake Allen against the Hawks uh, just the other night. Uh, Jake Allen's played very well as a backup to Jake Allen. In terms of tandems around the league, where do you put the Bennington-Allen tandem uh, right now? They're right up there. I think last time I checked, they both were riding along the save percentage higher than 925. I think they're about 926 each last time I checked. And, you know, it's been a really nice story for Jake Allen. We talked so much about Jordan Bennington. He was a huge part of the Stanley Cup run last year. Some people even would have considered him for the Consumite Trophy. And Jake Allen, we know, has had a pretty tough go throughout his career with the Blues. And he's been up and down. He was a major prospect coming up. And he just had big problems with inconsistency, with his confidence. So it is really nice to see him kind of finding himself. And maybe he's sort of settling in and accepting his fate that he doesn't have to be a starter. Or maybe he's never going to be a top-notch NHL starter anymore. Because I think with Allen, talent was never the problem. It was more of a mental thing. And maybe he's at peace with the idea that he's a number two and it's leading him to play better. The question down the road, though, I have to wonder about is just given his cap hit, and he's got a year left on his deal the last time I checked, um, is he going to be someone who, if he keeps playing this way, does he become trade bait? Because today's NHL, I, I think almost every team now needs two good goaltenders. So do you consider eventually bringing up a Billy Husso to be the backup? And do you have to dangle Jake Allen if he keeps playing this well? Is there a team out there that could use a better backup goalie? Joined by Matt Larkin, senior writer of the Hockey News. Follow him on Twitter, at THN Matt Larkin. Uh, Matt, speaking of trades, and one of the names being uh, tossed around now is, of course, Taylor Hall from the, from the New Jersey Devils. Uh, if and when do you expect him to be traded and potentially where? I do expect him to be traded. Um, I think just there are too many factors that check off too many boxes in favor of him being traded. The first one, the fact that he has Darren Ferris as his agent. And Darren Ferris is known for one thing, and that is encouraging his players to go to market, whether it's unrestricted free agents or restricted free agents. So he already has a guy in his corner that's likely to encourage that. Uh, to drive up his price. And on top of that, now he has a team that's really struggling, struggling to the point of firing its coach. And, of course, as you guys at St. Louis know, it doesn't mean your season's over, but I think the Blues are the exception rather than the norm. So it's likely that the New Jersey Devils are out of the playoffs, and you cannot afford to risk losing Taylor Hall for nothing because he has just far too much potential to bring in a massive return. I think it's something along the lines of a first-round pick and a very good prospect, maybe another pick or prospect. Uh, and if you're looking at teams that make sense as destinations. I feel like half the teams in the league are being rumored as landing spots, uh, but I do see the Colorado Avalanche as the front runner because they, they check every box, right? They are a contending team, up and coming. They really bided their time. Joe Sackett's been patient. They have some really good prospects to dangle. They have the cap space. There's a really nice fit there. 
Uh, and I was writing about the other day, they have, you know, Colorado's developed such good depth on defense with Kale McCarr, Bowen Byram, that suddenly you have another guy like a Connor Timmons, who's a really good prospect, who is affordable as someone you can you can afford to lose and dangle in a trade. So I do think Colorado's the front runner, but I think there will be many other teams in the mix. Speaking of the avalanche, and if they make that trade, should they land Taylor Hall? What does that do for them in terms of putting them closer to being a contender? I mean, I think it puts it puts them right there. It puts Colorado absolutely right in the mix. And we know this has been a team that has been on the rise. And, you know, they, they made a deep playoff run. They pushed San Jose last year uh, deep into the second round. And they're building around a core of young stars, and they're set up. I think, you know, they've been a team that for a while has been looking to the future as they're going to have their breakout. But I think their moment is finally arriving. And I think what Josak did in the offseason kind of, signified that he realized that when he made trades for Nazem Kadri and he, he bolstered up the forward core with Donskoy Burkowski. I think the message there was, okay, we are, we're ready to sort of push our stack forward. We know we've reached that critical mass of good young talent. We have a finally a, a reliable starting goaltender, Philip Grubauer. So I think Colorado's kind of having a moment. It's really tough to survive the central division, absolutely. But I think if you add a Taylor Hall, then you look at the you know what what is being Colorado's Achilles heel is the fact that they've been kind of a one line team, but then you then you have the ability to you know put Hall and Gabriel Landeskog on two different lines, and then you have still got Nathan McKinnon who might be the MVP front runner, Miko Lantzen and Nazem Kadri, and on top of a really really good young defense core, I think Colorado might be the team to beat if they get Taylor Hall. Absolutely, there's no question that that would be an amazing addition for the Avalanche moving forward. We're joined by Matt Larkin, senior writer of the Hockey News here on the NHL Rundown for the Blues pregame on 101 ESPN. Matt, a couple more for you. You're in Toronto tonight. Uh, Leafs get Mitch Marner back in return. Of course, we've seen a slew of injuries across the league, but uh, the Maple Leafs get uh, Marner back tonight. They went 4-7 and seven without him. Uh, how will his return help the Leafs get back on track? I think it'll be a big help, and it'll be very interesting to see how Sheldon Keith deploys him because under a new, new head coach, you know, Mike Babcock was notorious for not playing his star players as much as most coaches do. So maybe Marner will get eased back into it, but I think you will see that ice time continue to grow, and you know, for Leafs fans, I, I think if they're looking, if they're trying to be hopeful, I think you're looking at what St. Louis did last year. And again, it is the exception rather than the norm, but there are some similarities when you look at a team that had a lot of talent on paper, that made a lot of changes in the offseason. And this is something that actually Tyler Bozak said uh, at Stanley Cup Media Day last year that really stuck with me. Ironically, him being also a former Leaf, but he said last year that part of why the Blues took took so long to kind of gel was they had so many new faces, including him. And once it clicked, suddenly they went on a run. So if you're rooting for the Leafs, what you're hoping now is that, you know, all of the major changes they made in the summer, so much roster turnover that maybe it's going to click and they'll go on a run. And so far, you know, they did take quite a beating last night in Philly, but they're four and two under Sheldon Keith. So if you keep going four and two every six games, you're going to rise up the standings pretty fast. Last one here for Matt Larkin of the Hockey News. Um, follow him on Twitter, at THN, Matt Larkin, senior writer for the Hockey News. Is there a team right now that may be struggling on the outside of a playoff spot or just in general that you still like moving forward into the season? Well, this team, I I, I, I don't think they're officially outside of a playoff spot, but it's, it sounds funny, and I was kind of taking a bit of heat. Actually, no, I think they are outside of a playoff spot by a few points, um, but – I've been taking heat in the office for describing the Tampa Bay Lightning as a sleeper, but they are a team that, you know, they've sort of underachieved relative to expectations. They've dealt with kind of minor injuries to a lot of their star players. And the biggest thing is the Lightning, because of their schedule, because they went overseas, they've just played so few games relative to the rest of the league. So they're kind of this dormant giant. And, 
you know, I look at what the Washington Capitals did a few years ago. They won a couple of President's Trophies in a row, and they kept bombing out in the playoffs. And a lot of their players said in hindsight that they were going for it too much, and they were, they were sort of not playing enough meaningful games down the stretch. They were so far ahead in the standings, and they flopped in the playoffs. And I kind of wonder if that's what happened to Tampa last year. Whereas this year, they're kind of like, instead of the horse that's the front runner, they're the horse that's kind of running from behind and then has potential to peak at the right time this year. So that's why I kind of consider them the, the non-sleeper sleeper, if you will. Interesting take. And, of course, with the addition of Pat Maroon, he's, uh, he's played very well for them. So interesting what kind of impact he can have on them uh, getting through in that second-half schedule. So, Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Again, follow Matt on Twitter, at THN Matt Larkin, senior writer for the Hockey News. Matt, thank you so much, and we hope to talk to you soon. Thank you. It's my pleasure. Big thanks to Matt Larkin there going around the league with us on a, on our Blues pregame show last night. Looking forward to having him on more frequently as well. The San Antonio Rampage had a game yesterday afternoon. Jordan Cairo had a hat trick, and we got a Rampage report from Brian McCormick, the play-by-play voice of the San Antonio Rampage. Here is the aforementioned Rampage report. Rampage closed out their six-game homestand on a winning note on Wednesday morning, taking a 5-1 win over the Iowa Wild at the AT&T Center. The Rampage went 3-1-2 on their homestand, their victory Wednesday bringing them back to within one point of second place in the Central Division. Jordan Cairo had the hot stick on Wednesday, recording his first professional hat-trick. Two of Cairo's goals came on the power play, the first Rampage player to score multiple power play goals in the same game this season. Stevens has it, right circle, tries to cut to the middle, but it was knocked off his stick again, Sturm can't clear. Here's Kairou right circle. His shot scores! Jordan Kairou with a quick release from the right circle. Kairou's first goal was originally credited to Nico Mikula, but was changed in the final minutes of the third period. As such, Kairou actually notched his first hat trick a full period before he or anyone else at the AT&T Center knew it. He has 14 points in 14 games this season. The Rampage didn't win on Sunday afternoon, but Ryan Olsen did set a new franchise record. The puck is dropped, and we are underway on a Sunday afternoon in San Antonio. And a quick outlet pass. The Rampage have numbers. Left wing Olsen fires. He scores! seconds into the game, Ryan Olsen on a two-on-one rush. Olsen's goal just nine seconds in was the fastest Rampage goal to start a game in franchise history, breaking the previous record of 19 seconds set by Troy Bodie in October of 2009. The Rampage announced on Tuesday that Clem Costin would miss five to ten days with his upper body injury. Forward Cam Darcy will miss a minimum of two weeks with a lower body injury and will be reevaluated before the next homestand. The Rampage now head out on the road for a brief two-game weekend in Toronto against the Marlies. It will be San Antonio's first visit to Toronto since January of 2015. The Marlies are 15 3-3 and lead the Eastern Conference under new head coach Greg Moore. That's it for another Rampage report from San Antonio. I'm Brian McCormick. It's been fun to keep an eye on the San Antonio Rampage this season as uh, some of the players that have come up and come down, of course, Kyrou down there. Costin's now injured, but uh, it's always fun to get these Rampage reports from Brian McCormick to keep us updated on everything in the Blues Farm system. So big thank you to Brian McCormick on that. All right, that's going to wrap it up for today's Daily Blues podcast on this Thursday, December 5th, 2019. Remember, folks, go see a ball game often. Follow your local teams. It really is fun for the entire family. Dan Betlock signing off on 101ESPN.com.